Are you part of a small church? Well, today we talk with a guest who has started a growing network with resources specifically for your church size. And stay tuned, because at the end of our Church Solutions podcast, we have an opportunity for your church to receive a $200 donation. It all happens next on the Church Solutions podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other encouraging ideas for ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. Welcome to episode 364 on the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. And I'm Steve Lacey. I actually got the episode right this time. It's 364. According to Apple, we've done There you go. We've done a lot more of these, but it's because you messed up last week, right? No, I did. I messed up, but that's the way it goes. All right. So how are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing great. All right, good. Good deal. So we have a special guest today, right? We have a we every guest is special, but we have a special guest who actually is from uh from our neck of the woods. We didn't realize this until recently. Uh, she is best known for t- uh, taking her personal blog, growing it into the world's number one resource for small churches in just 24 months. So uh, her background is she started a career as a youth director, and she uh, and by the way, she vowed never to marry a pastor. Uh, she now spends her time helping people in small churches, identify where God is already at work and uh, stepping into the influence and to join him in that. She uh, boldly speaks out against the lie. And here's the lie. If you do it right, your church will grow. I'm going to ask her about that in a little bit here. Uh, But uh, you can uh, enjoy her teaching. She's got a podcast called the Small Church Ministry Podcast, and you can connect with her on Facebook and Instagram. And Lori Acker lives in Tucson, Arizona, here with us, where the sun is usually shining, and I can vouch for that. So, Lori Acker, how are you today? And thanks for being our guest. I'm great. Thanks for the sweet introduction. I'm happy to be here. All right. So, uh, first of all, why did you end up marrying a pastor? Oh, he, it was actually a switch and it was a bait and switch kind of situation. He wasn't a pastor when I married him. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he, he he fooled you on that one. All right. So, so uh, Steve's going to ask you some questions here. Yeah. I got to uh, tell the a little bit of the story, though, how we got connected up, because we yeah, were we're working with um, a guy on the East Coast that works with a bunch of ministries. And he said, there's a small church conference coming up. He said, you guys should be a part of it and, and you should watch it. And so it was real short notice. It was like coming up that weekend. So I attended um, one of the uh, sessions uh, at the conference. And then I reached out to Lori and then we went back and forth. I don't know, a few times maybe. And then all of a sudden we got on a call and I, I don't know how I started explaining my background and she started and she said, wait a minute, it sounds like you live in the same town I do. And we found out we're within, I don't know, 10 minute drive of each other. Um, so, but yeah, we, I think we, our we, churches are like a mile apart. Like, I yeah. mean, we're like same neck of the woods. So yeah. that was really fun. And we connected through a guy in New Jersey, which is really <laughs> interesting, you know, small yeah. world. 
All right. So, Laura, you, you host the podcast, the Small Church Ministry Podcast. Uh, and you also do some online, uh, what would you call those things? Uh, online conferences, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you're you're specifically targeting small churches. But as I read in your bio here, you made the statement, uh, you think it's a lie. If the statement is, if you do it right, your church will grow. So you think that's a lie. Tell us why that's a lie. Wow. Yeah. Calling me out with my own quote there, huh? Um, I do think it's a terrible lie. I think it's, I think it's terrible. I think it's a terrible part of our modern church culture. And I think it's based on not just Americanism, but just, um, I don't know, our humanness really, that if we do it right, we're going to see the results. And I think it's completely not biblical. I don't think the Bible says that anywhere. In fact, a lot of people will quote, you know, if you build it, they will come. Well, that's from the movie Field of Dreams, and it's even misquoted. The quote from the movie is actually, if you build it, he will come. And I don't know why we put so much stock in our talents and our our efforts, because if we do it right, it'll grow. What do you do then with the life of Jesus? Like Jesus died on a cross with no followers. He had 5,000 on a hillside who did not come back and follow him. Like this is what so many pastors and small churches are experiencing. And they're deflated when they do VBS and nobody joins the church. They're deflated when they do a big, you know, community event and nobody comes back. Well, join the life of Jesus. Like that actually is the example that Jesus set. And he didn't say, if you do it right, you will grow. He said, if you do it right, few will follow and you'll be persecuted. And it's going to be hard. Like that is actually what the Bible says. And that's what Jesus modeled. So I do believe sometimes God does grow a church. You know, we saw that in Acts, but it was not because of the effort of people doing it right. It was just a move of God in his spirit. And so I think, I think we get a little messed up and I think it's very obvious that it's a wrong belief in how people carry themselves when they're working so hard and they feel defeated and like failures when they're loving Jesus and the fruits show, right? Like the fruits show. And and by fruits, I mean our spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And when people are working really, really hard and loving Jesus and they are defeated and feel like failures and are hanging their heads when what they're doing is loving people in their community, that's, that's just a tragedy to me. It's a total tragedy. So have you seen over the decades... Um, the challenge increase, decrease, remain the same for for building a small church or, or planning a church. Is the environment different now than it was, I don't know, 20 years ago? Well, that's so interesting because I've never really tracked it or even been aware of it. And honestly, I wasn't even I wasn't even keyed into the needs of small churches until a few years ago. Because I never felt like I, I never really looked at the numbers. I'm pretty relational. I I'm I love just watching lives transform, myself included, right? Like it's it's never about how much money or how many friends or whatever. It's it's like, you know, where are my spirits at and how I'm feeling. And so what actually um I guess grew my awareness of small church ministry, um, fifteen years ago, my husband um took a job in a small church and we had been in mid-sized churches and even large churches before that. And so I was learning how different ministry was because it's not the same. Um, I say it a lot, small church ministry isn't less, but it is very different. 
um, the programs, the emphasis, the way volunteers run, the way people come in, the needs that you're meeting. It's so unique and really, really beautiful. And then my husband did his um, doctorate. Um, I'm going to get the the title wrong, but it was something about the longevity of pastors in small churches. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting to kind of learn alongside him. And he did a lot of interviews. And then, you know, as as you read my bio earlier, a few years back, I started a blog just sharing what we were doing and um, about some of the creative things we did in our church and in small churches, specifically for small churches. And people started reaching out. And I had no idea that pastors in small churches felt like failures. I had no idea that people were like uh, so upset that, you know, they're competing with a mega church because I don't know why. I just, I never felt that. I didn't have that stress. I didn't have that that thought process. And I was honestly shocked by the prevalence and the depression and the defeatism. And I'm seeing pastors literally who served in small churches for 20, 30 years. And to me, they're like heroes and missionaries. And they are in tears, like literally in tears saying, I have always felt like a failure. I can't believe what you're saying. And it seems to line up with biblical truth. Yeah. I I remember this reminds me, um, I've been as part of small churches pretty much my adult life. And I went and visited my brother in Dallas. This is a year or so ago. And I was there during the week and he said, Hey, there's a, there's a Bible study at my church in the you know Thursday morning or something like that. He said, you want to come with me before, you know, before he went into work? I said, sure. This sounds great. You know, I've never been to his church, never knew anything about it. He said it started in a high school. So I'm like, Oh, I know, you know, we had our church start in high school. Anyway, you pull in the parking lot and they've got people directing traffic for <laughs> yep. the Bible study at, you know, six thirty in the morning, and I'm like, "What is going on here?" And just, just the the dichotomy of the big church, and which is what he was always exposed to, and mm-hmm. then the struggling church, like you said, it's just really, it's a completely different ball game. Um, yeah. as you mentioned. So what are some of the things? I mean, if you could outline it, if we got audiences all over the place, that we may have some large church pastors say, oh, you just assign a committee and then it starts to happen mm-hmm. or versus the small churches, I can't make it work. What are, um, what are some of the differences you've seen uh, between the large church and the small church and just how they, how they operate, how they're, how effective they are and that sort of thing? Yeah. Well, if, if I can just push back just a little bit on one thing you said, you said the big difference between the big church and the struggling church. And that's where I want to say, I don't think small churches, I think that's a mindset that small churches are struggling because they they might be struggling to grow. And that's where I would say that should not never be our emphasis. Mm-hmm. I just talked to a pastor in a, in a small church in Minneapolis, and he has about 150 people in his church. And now we also have tons of small churches in our community who are, they would consider themselves micro churches, you know, under 50. And then we have churches in our community who are 400 and they think they're small, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's so, it's, it's so relative, but this church of 150 people, they are doing more outreach and more community transformation than any big church I have ever seen or heard of ever, like ever. And um, it is, it's amazing to see. And that's where I just really see like God is at work. And I just have to, you know, it reminds me of Gideon's army. Gideon had a big army at one point. He was still terrified, but he had a big army and God shrunk his army from 30,000 to 10,000 and still said, it's too big. 
And he shrunk his army to 300 and said, oh, now I can use you. And I just think, what if Gideon had said, oh, we're not ready. We got to grow first. Uh, we, we, we're terrible. We're, I'm a failure, you know, and God never would have gotten the glory. So, um, you mentioned, sorry, let's go back to your question. I just went off on a tangent. You said something about, could you repeat your question? I apologize. Uh, it was just, uh, <laughs> illustrate some differences within the small church versus you know, challenges between a, a small church and a, and a large church. Yeah, uh, totally got it. Okay. Yeah. So some of the differences between big church and small church, and I'll just start with, I think some of the beauties and some of the opportunities that small churches have that large churches don't, because it's my favorite thing really to highlight because when we focus on all the challenges, we're not seeing the gifts. Like somebody comes to visit a small church and we're apologizing that we don't have a big children's ministry when we should be saying, if you want a place where your kids are going to be loved and have surrogate grandparents and aunts and uncles and people of all generations, like, you know, growing and mentoring, this is your place. You see what I'm saying? Like, cause we yeah. could say, oh, they don't have a big children's ministry. But so if we start with strengths as some of the things that small churches do better than anybody else are relationships, you know, it's a place where everybody really does know your name. And if we choose to be intentional, you are seen and you are heard and you are loved and you are built up. Small churches have an incredible opportunity for leadership development that big churches do not have. You know, if you think of even a mid-sized church and you can sing or play the piano or play the drums, you have to audition to get on that worship team. And you're going to be lucky if you could ever play, you know, and at small churches, we're like, you play the drums, praise God, come on up and we'll teach you how to do it better. You know, <laughs> my son started playing the drums in our praise band when he was 10 years old. And we needed a drummer and our drummer was getting older. And he's like, you got to find it. We don't have a drummer. We got like 50 people in the church. Nobody plays drums, you know? And he wanted to take lessons. And I thought, oh, by the time he's 16, maybe we can wait. Like he can play when he's 16. And before he turned 11, he was holding his own on, um, on a drum kit. And you wouldn't see those opportunities in large churches, even mm -hmm. Sunday school teaching, even opportunities to preach. And so there's so many uniquenesses and beauties in small churches. And I think the biggest challenge is our own brains. Our biggest yeah. challenge is actually, it's all about um, discouragement. I don't think it's the numbers. I don't think it's the resources. I don't think it's the location. I don't think it's the talent. I think the biggest challenge in small churches is discouragement. And probably one of the biggest challenges in large and, churches is pride and relying on ourselves and our talents. And unfounded discouragement. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is really, yeah. uh, for me, it's really, I'm looking back at my participation in church. And if I'd been, if I had gone to my brother's church my whole life, I never would have been as involved and active and had as much of an influence on the church yeah. that, that, you know, cause I would just be, you know, unless I was, uh, some, you know, I, you know, my gifting and talents weren't utilized there. So it's, yeah. it's, I really appreciate the, the fact you're pointing out that, um, there's really some unique opportunities for the, that, the small church that a lot of times, like you said, they look as, uh, oh, this is a disadvantage, but it's really an yeah. advantage. Yeah, like we don't have enough money to hire a tech team. How about this? We have an opportunity to build people in gifts they didn't even know they had. Like <laughs> that really is the switch. And I, I really, I really do believe this. I believe the biggest challenge in small churches is our own brains. We get in the way, mm -hmm. our modern church culture comparison. But the challenges we think we have, I, I, I don't want to be like quippy. I don't like quippy things. I don't like acronyms. I don't like all these memes that go around. But I really do believe it's an opportunity, and it's not. It's not a cause for de feeling defeated. 
What, exactly. do, you, what do you think, uh, Lori, about the? And I understand what you're saying here. So, so the emphasis that that we've seen over the years is, you know, uh, you need to grow, you need to grow, you need to grow as a church. So you're saying stop emphasizing that. What, what do you say to the idea that, that if something is healthy, it's going to automatically grow? I absolutely agree with that. I believe that if we are healthy, we will grow and you'll see it in the fruits of our spirit and our countenance. I don't believe it's about the numbers. And, you know, even when you look at even the biblical examples of a good tree bears good fruit, it doesn't say a good tree bears a whole lot of fruit. It says a good tree bears good fruit. And that's how we know a tree because a tree can bear a lot of fruit. We have them in Arizona all over the place. You know what I'm talking? We first moved to Arizona 15, 16 years ago, maybe 18 now. And um, we saw these big orange trees and we were so excited. Like, we, you know, they're just growing everywhere. And we're like sneaking an orange tree off this, you know, tree at this facility. And it is gross. And, and it was just not sweet and it was yeah. dry and it had a lot of fruit. But it was not, yeah. it was not good fruit. Yeah. 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 And I think also, too, I think also we just have to look at like biblical modeling and examples. Like we don't see even the life of Jesus growing big churches. We, we don't see it. And I, yeah, I just think it's such a fallacy. I think it's very sad. So tell us more about um, your resources. So you have a message to get to or or uh, you're a resource for these small churches. Tell us more about that and how this thing got started and how it, um, it kind of blossomed. And yeah, is it, is it growing? <laughs> yeah. It's like a runaway train. My daughter who works with me now, um, she said, mom, it's not even like we're like on a runaway train. It's like she's, she notes some episode in psych when they're running next to a train and they can't even get on it because it's going so fast. And she said, mm-hmm. it's like, we're running next to the train trying to get on it. So um, talk about the resources. Well, they're always growing and changing and we are always adding more. So what I say right now, if somebody listens to this podcast in six months, there very well could be a change or a shift. Um, we really are all about kind of um, just meeting needs and being flexible enough and pivoting to do that. Um, but we started with a website and then had an online workshop and that turned into a membership. So we have this small church academy where people are actually in a two and a half year awesome course, consultation, coaching community, where they're actually learning leadership skills in small church ministry. And that has been so fun. Um, we um, have a few like resource bundles and things, which people love. But we recently started a network for small churches. And we're really excited about it because we're all about the transformation. There's so much information out there these days so much information, but we hardly ever apply it. I mean, if I think of books I've read, man, I hardly even finished reading the whole book. You know, if we would just apply one ounce of what we learned, it would be really different. So even with our online conferences, it's not get a bunch of information and go figure out what to do with it. Um, it's very relational. It's very application oriented. Um, we talk about our conferences as not being a one and done thing, but as like you've just entered a community for support. Um, and for mentorship. And what happens in small churches, what we found is we all want to help each other because we know exactly what it's like not to have help, not to have the money to have help, to go to conferences and see all this stuff where we can't even use it because we can't break into small groups because we are a small group, you know, to see all this information and resources that don't fit in our setting. And so that's what we found is a lot of people helping each other. But the network, um, we 
as I mentioned, we just launched a network and it's, um, it's global. It's already global. And um, we have um, about 70 churches right now in it, but we really believe it's going to grow a lot because we're doing live events each month with the ability to do discussion rooms and break out. And a lot of the pastors who've joined us have talked about the need they have for connecting with other pastors. But when they connect in the community, like a lot of them, they want this connection. So they'll join like um, the pastors associations in their community, right? And they'll go to it. And the first thing that happens is people say, how big is your church? And then they realize they're in a place where they are not understood um, or where they just, they themselves even just feel a lot of comparison. And so most of our resources actually focus a lot on volunteers and not, not just the pastor, because in a small church, there's usually one pastor, sometimes two, but there's dozens and dozens of core volunteers. And so that is the base of what we do is supporting volunteers, but we're watching more pastors really excited about the network just for that edge of connection. So what are some ways that you cross over between informational and being relational and a mentor and that sort of thing in that environment? Um, Well, one thing is, as I mentioned, small churches want to help small churches. And I'll just give you one example. Um, We just had a worship and tech conference. And at the worship and tech conference, we start with a all our conferences start with like a pop-up Facebook community. So we're actually interviewing our speakers ahead of time. There's a lot of interaction. There's questions. There's specifics. And um, two of our speakers, both of them pastors who love tech on the side, um, they they said, "Hey, if you if you need some help, like let us know. We're gonna we'll talk to you. We'll zoom with you. We'll do all that." And that is it was amazing. Like people were reaching out in the conference in actual discussion rooms where they could get on um, you know screen with them. But they've continued relationships afterwards. Like our conferences, like people have relationships and friendships and they have finally found other people in small churches who are excited and hopeful and forward moving instead of navel gazing, like, oh, poor us. And the connections in that way are amazing. And um, Darren and Don Joel, who started kind of this tech edge, um, that is just one example. Like that happens over and over again, even in our free Facebook community. Sounds like a lot of one-on-one interaction. Do you you have, I mean, there's going to be people with needs and there's people with skills, right? That are going to help each other out. How do you get those two things paired up? I guess it well, just <clears throat> first off, it's all organic. Like I'm not managing Don and Darren and what they say or what they teach. Like it's very organic. It's people helping each other. Um, and there are people with needs and people with skills for sure. And we see that all the time, but um, they're connecting, you know, on their own with people who are willing to help. And so for our conferences, when we're looking for speakers, we're looking for people in small churches who've been successful in their ministry area in small churches. Like that's super unique. And so um, we really believe everybody has something to give. And so um, the people with needs also have skills. And that's kind of, I think, the way we've developed this organization is so much like small churches. You know, we're not just looking for the people to fill the spots. We're looking at those people saying, what do you have to give? And that happens in small churches naturally all the time. And I honestly think that's kind of the core of how our ministry is growing for small churches. So um, you mentioned something that triggered a thought here that you talked about. Those that have been successful in small ministries, how do you, how do you define how do you define success within the small ministries? Um, they are serving with joy and they yeah. are making an impact and they are transforming lives. 
And so whether it is a worship team where they have grown somebody from somebody who was shy and didn't want to get on stage to learning how to sing, or whether it's starting a food pantry out of a small churches, like the amount of amazing ministry and life transformation that's happening in small churches. Like I cannot wait for people to start hearing stories because it's going to make small churches look at what they're doing going, Oh, I guess I did. I guess I was part of that because the fact is God is at work everywhere. Like God is at work in every small church. Like people say, Oh, I can't wait for God to do something good. Or I'm going to hold on. I'm going to believe because God's going to do something good. And I just say, no, God is doing something good. Like open your eyes, open your eyes to what he's doing. And you're going to see it right where you're at. Even if your church is six, like it, God is at work. So it doesn't take crowds. It doesn't take numbers. He's doing something. So let's just open open our eyes up and join him there, right? So if I'm listening, so go ahead. Uh, if I'm a pastor listening or associate pastor listening to this Church Solutions podcast, uh, and and what I'm hearing, you know, perks something up in me. Uh, what's my What's my first step? How, how can I get more involved with you and, and what you guys are doing? Honestly, it's probably the network. If you're talking specifically for pastors and associate pastors, um, the network seems to be the place where pastors are getting more excited, finding more connection and things that meet their needs. Because the Facebook community, um, a lot of pastors aren't on Facebook or not active on Facebook. And the Small Church Academy is almost like getting a master's level course. So unless you're a pastor that wants to, you know, or has time to really go into a course setting, um, even though it's relational and modular, modular based, I would say the, the biggest place for pastors to start really is the network with us. So is that a website or a um, no, it's, or it's a it? member. It's a mem- the network is a membership and okay. it's $179 for the year, um, which cr- comes out to less than 14 bu- or less than 15 bucks a month. And what you get with the network is the live events that happen once a month, plus the replay of the training, because this is where we really believe it's going to have transformation. The main core of the network at this point, and we'll be adding more and more relational connections and breakouts and partnerships and all sorts of things. The dream is amazing. Um, but right now, the main core of it is there is a 20 to 25 minute training um, at the network events that is recorded and you get the replays and it's downloadable plus an agenda and discussion questions. So you can use it for leadership team trainings. You can use it for children's ministry trainings. You can use it to share with a spouse who's working in a certain ministry area. And the membership is for your church. So up to 10 people can come to these events from your church. And in a small church, that is, those are your volunteers, your main volunteers, right? So everybody can come together, learn together live or later. And that's how we're making it flexible. So pastors can utilize these resources. And we're always about saving people time and energy because uh, many pastors of small churches, they are stretched really thin. Tons of them are bivocational. They want to do training. They don't have time. And the other thing is, is that the training is based on here's a concept and unpack it and apply it to your unique situation, which is why it's 20 minutes long. So they're getting this power packed, almost like a TED talk presentation, like a power pack stuff. You get to unpack it with your leaders or your church or your situation, have the conversation and decide how to uniquely apply it. Because the last thing I want is for anybody to say, Lori said your church should do that. (laughs) That's not the point. We're going to start conversations and we're going to go deep and we're going to give skills and strategies and practical tools that people can utilize. But you get to decide what fits your church. Right. So monthly events is uh-huh. is kind of the, and then those events, uh, you just mentioned you did a, a worship 
conference last month. What are what are some of these? What are the theme of these events each month? Um, the the network is very different than the conferences. The conferences well, are all based on ministry uh, ministry skill areas like children's ministry, women's ministry, um, worship and tech. The network events are monthly events, and they're just an hour and fifteen minutes long. And again, a big a big benefit of that is getting the replay if you're a network member. Um, but the topics we just launched this, so we talked about burnout last night in um, ministry settings and in business busy ministry seasons. Um, the topics are getting picked by our member churches, talking about recruiting volunteers, developing teams, um, dealing with team conflict. And so all of those topics are going to be the general leadership topics that can apply to any ministry area, um, whether you are a leader, a pastor, or a volunteer. And that's where the flexibility of having the replays and being able to use them at any time that fits you really um, in your settings is such a huge benefit. So does someone from the network will present, let's say um, you did one on burnout. Was it, uh, you just grab somebody from the network or is it, who are the, I'm just trying to understand the format of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's totally cool. Um, I did the, I did the talk last night and we will, um, we're actually talking about maybe doing more interview type formats um, so that we um, can really control the direction and the values and um, the ministry beliefs that we just have as an organization. Um, and so the topics, we will find experts in those fields. Um, I have a friend who's a pastor out in um, LA, and he is a bivocational pastor who is the most amazing pastor ever, uh, Ryan David Sims, talking about conflict, talking about dealing with conflict because of his bivocational setting, because he was a manager, because he's dealt with that. He's brought these skills into the church. And so it will be uh, a variety of speakers or interview settings. And the network, because it's global, we right now, we have three time periods, and we believe we will be adding more times. Um, we have a, a 2 p.m. Eastern time that gets our European friends in the UK. And the 7 p.m. time honestly attracts some of our New Zealand Australian friends because it's the next day in the afternoon for them. And so we basically said as as we grow, we're going to find hosts in these different areas and just open up more time slots. But the main training is recorded. That main 20 to 25 minute training is recorded. So each time slot has their own community, their own flair, their own hosts and MCs, their own breakout rooms. So they'll de- be developing a lot, but the main teaching will will remain um, consistent. How do I get to the network? Is there a website I go to to sign up? Smallchurchministry.com slash network. Okay. That's it. Good. Yeah. All right. So we're running out of time here. Uh, sounds like Steve has some questions for you, but uh, maybe we can do it off camera. Uh, the podcast is the Small Church Ministry Podcast. Uh, Lori Ecker is uh, the host, and we've just heard from her about what she's doing with uh, small churches and stuff. Lori, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. And I can't wait to meet you guys in person since like, <laughs> we're probably broadcasting 10 minutes away right now. <laughs> I, I know, right? It's, it's absolutely crazy. So before we go, uh, this is December. And we have a special offer that we're uh, throwing out to new churches. Uh, I'm not sure, depending on when you listen to this podcast, how long it will be going. But I want Steve Lacey to tell folks a little bit about this, uh, how people can get a $200 donation to their church. Yeah, so we're, we're, we only serve the church, unlike several streaming companies. So we're, our heart is for ministry. And so during this month, if you create a free trial at streamingchurch.tv, and stream your services. There's a couple of conditions. You got to um, stream your services and have some attendance. We'll we'll donate $200 to your church. 
So yeah. we're we're committed to your ministries and we're we're excited to be able to contribute to your church. Yeah. And we do work, we actually work with a lot of small churches. And I, I would say that's probably one of our specialties. I mean, we're just very good hands, hands on. I guess people, you know? just talk with a church, um, um, the wife of a pastor yesterday and said they had about 35 people and yeah. and she was doing everything and she needs to go to Lori's thing. And we, we talked about, she goes, she joked, she goes, my husband needs to teach a sermon on this. And I said, yeah, well, it should be one on using your gifts in the, in the ministry. Cause I'm sure you have people there that can help you out. All right. Well, again, Lori, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. All right. And Steve, thank you for your input as, as always. Glad to be here. And uh, most of all, thank you folks for uh, listening or watching the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. We'll catch you again next time on another episode. Please take care of yourselves and each other.